Tribune Church. Happy Easter. Happy Resurrection Day. And it's great to know that Jesus is risen from the dead. Amen. And not only has he risen, not only has he, he arose, as the song says, we get to live life like he's done so. Amen. Well, it was great to see the, the children singing today. Wasn't it great? I saw uh, Al and Tony's boy. I guess nobody else wanted to dance with him, uh, but, but he was dancing. He did his part. Uh, so uh, I guess he's taking out the mom and dad there with his dance skills. And I saw my son. He, he definitely moved his lips a couple times, which is awesome. And my daughter did a great job as well. But how would y'all enjoy the fellowship break? That was good, hearing the stories, hearing how God is working in our lives. And anytime I think about Easter, anytime I think about Jesus rising from the dead, I don't like to think about it as a one-time event. I like to think about it like this is something that changed the course of history, that's given us an opportunity to have life and have it to the full, because not only did he rise from the dead, we now have an opportunity to rise as well. And I got a slide here. It says, he's, uh, he's risen, Jesus. But the question is, now what? Now what? I watched a video in Harvard, at Harvard Square, there in Massachusetts. They did a survey, and they asked this question. What do you think about Jesus? Most everyone that they surveyed were, were younger, you know, kind of in their 20s, college students maybe recently out of college. But many array of answers. But what truly puts the meat on Jesus for us? What is it? What's the thing that helps you determine who Jesus is in your life? And I know for me, testimony is a huge one. What is Jesus doing in our life? I thank uh, Julian for leading our time in the fellowship by kind of enumerating some of the things that are happening, that's happened in his life, in his, what, 30-some-odd years of living or so, give or take. Uh, okay, yeah, yeah. But how important it is for us to look back at our life, to look and see how Jesus have really helped us during this time, or during our time. Because a lot of times testimony, I know when it comes to products, a television, or a restaurant, a lot of times, I know at least for me, I won't try something new unless someone recommended it to me. How many of you guys are like that? And some of us were more adventurous. You're like, hey, man, if it's there, I'm going to go do it. Hey, I'll do everything once, YOLO, right? But how often, how often do we try new things because of someone's experience? I will say, I tried something probably about a month or two ago, that I know I would have never tried, but because of the testimony of some friends. Yeah. Ivan and Adrian de Guzman, they were telling us about a Mexican restaurant that was vegan. A vegan Mexican restaurant. I was like, shut your mouth. <laughs> shut your mouth. I know that ain't true. But we drove up to the place, and not only was it a restaurant, it was actually people inside. You know, we, we went and we enjoyed, I mean, the food was awesome. Not only did it have Mexican food, but guess what else vegan they had? 
barbecue. Yes, that's the same. Vegan barbecue. No pork, no cow, no chicken. All assortments of stuff that was put together that tastes like all those three things, right? But I would not have tried this place if it wasn't for their testimony. If it wasn't for them saying, hey, I vouch for this place. I ate there and I'm still alive. And I enjoyed it. I, my wife and I enjoyed it. Even our children enjoyed it. I got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old. And if they eat it, it passed the test, right? But you have to talk to me afterwards about what that place uh, is. Um, they didn't give me an opportunity to get 10% off my next meal if I said it from the pulpit. <laughs> <laughs> but testimony, how important it is. Not only for just food, not only just for restaurants, not only just for new things, but also for our experience with Jesus Christ. How much does our testimony help influence someone else that may or may not be seeking after Jesus? And we got a slide here of different testimony that are written in the Old Testament. How important God knew. He knew that we're going to take the word of other people sometime even above his own word, unfortunately. So what did he do? Many a time he told the people to testify. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, I'll just kind of uh, reference these for you guys. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, he told the Israelites before they went into the promised land, I want you to testify to me to your children. I want you to tell your children about what I've done for you guys, how I've taken you out of slavery into the land of the free or about to go into the land of the free. No more bondage. Freedom. I want you to testify to me about your children. In Psalms chapter 18, the writer there says he wants to testify to the nations. So not only just testify to our children, but testify to the nations of who God is in our life. What is he doing? How is he healing us? What, how is he taking us through different trials and tribulations? But he's walking with us all the more. And then lastly, there in the Old Testament that I'll reference, Isaiah 63, verse 7. The writer says, I will testify about what you've done for me. What you've done personally to me, it's not about what you've done for this person or that person or what you've done in the Bible, the guys that was there. What have you done for me? And that's what, that's my goal for us today is for us to look through our life and re really see the power of our testimony because we all have a testimony, right? We all have something that God is doing or has done in our life. But how quick are we to talk and tell other people about that testimony. And so what we're going to use today, we're going to use the story, a story that was actually before Jesus died in the woman of, of, at the well. We're going to use her as an example. We're going to find lessons. We're going to find two major points from her interaction with Jesus and then her going and interacting with others by using her testimony so that we can use our testimony to help others. Amen? But before we jump into John chapter 4, let's go to God in prayer.
Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, I just thank you for giving us an opportunity to celebrate your son, Jesus. The world looked to him back in the past before he was born. And now that he has lived as he's died and rose from the dead, we get to look back at his life. I thank you for this opportunity to worship. I thank you for the friends and family that are here, that are giving you an opportunity to make an impact in their life. I pray that our ears are open, our hearts are open, our eyes are attentive, our minds are locked in on your word as we learn how to use our testimony for your glory. Not for our own glory, but because of what you've done in our life. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you guys could turn to John chapter 4. We're going to read a little something in John chapter 4, but to, we're going to start in verse 23 here in a second. But for those that don't know the story, some of you guys may know the story about the Samaritan woman that Jesus met at the well. And the crazy thing about it, imagine now, I mean, that was some 2,000 years ago, but imagine you were standing in line at Starbucks. You're waiting to buy your latte or your, your stuff with all the different stuff that they put in Starbucks, right? I can't remember what all they are, but it's a lot of stuff that they can put in it. But then you have some guy behind you. He says, hey, can you buy my drink for me? You know, you don't know who this guy, you look back, you're like, okay, it's not somebody I know. It's not Jonathan. You know, it's not Casanova. It's not Andrew. This this is not somebody that I know, but he's asserting himself and saying, hey, can you buy my drink for me? You turn around and being in Dallas, being a Dallas Cowboy fan, you look back and this guy has a Giants jersey on. All right, Mike, it's hypothetical, all right? You don't have to leave. So he has this giant jersey on asking you for a contribution in paying for his meal. You're like, uh, yeah, um, I'm not sure. I mean, y'all, y'all small talk a little bit, talk about the, uh, the cowboy season come up. He asserts and try to talk about the, the giant season and come up. Nevertheless, he asks again, hey, are you going to buy it? And you're like, ah, I, don't, I don't think so. But then he changes the subject a little bit. He's like, hey, if you really knew who I am, a Giants fan, I have coffee that if you tasted it, you'd never want coffee again. You're like, wait now, who are you again? You're looking for cameras, right? You're trying to figure out what is going on because this is not normal anymore. Not only is he wearing a Giants shirt, but also he's talking about a coffee that once you drink this, you won't drink coffee again. And arson, I mean, this, this is a brother that loves coffee. I don't, I don't know if he would have drunk the coffee anyways uh, and saved the money. But then he reveals something about you as a stranger. He's like, you know what, Clint? I know you're wearing a Dallas Cowboy shirt, but I know that you really deep down inside, you're an Eagles fan. You're like, wait, I never told that to anybody. (laughs) Nobody knows that about me. Not even my wife knows that I'm an Eagles fan. And he continues to talk. He continues to reveal things. And then you go 
talk with him. And you realize that this guy is just Jesus in a giant's shirt. I'm not saying anything about the giants, amen. All right, don't read into that, that Jesus is a giants fan. But this is a modern take on what happened back with the Samaritan woman. She met Jesus at the well. Jesus asked her for a drink. She said, hey, you, you don't talk to me. I'm a Samaritan. You a Jew. We have no association with each other. And then Jesus goes on to tell her that if you really knew who I was, you would ask me for a drink. Because the drink that I have to offer is living water. And those that drink from this would never go thirsty. Amen. And then we pick back up. In John chapter 4, verse 23, let's read that together, amen? It says, yet a time is coming, this is Jesus speaking, yet a time is coming and has not come when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, for they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. Verse 24, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. So this woman, she had some type of knowledge of what the scripture said about this Messiah, about this Jesus. So she just wasn't someone there at the well. She knew some of her Bible. What did Jesus end up saying? He says, I, the one speaking to you, I am he. So she's just been having this dialogue. I'm not sure how many minutes it transpired of her talking with this guy who, who may have seemed like a magician by knowing so much about her. But then he lets her know that this is why I know so much about you. I am the son of God. I am the one that was there from the beginning to the end. I'm the Alpha and the Omega. And you think about today. Jesus is that same Jesus, amen? He hasn't changed. He was there before. He was there after. He knows the pain that we're going through now. He knows the pain that we go through after or in the future. He knows the victory that we're going to have. He knows it all. But sometimes we can be face to face with Jesus and don't even know it. We can be, read his word, see his truth, but then doubt that his truth is for me. Doubt that his truth is for just a regular old Texas boy. Jesus, he still reaches out for us today. You know, I'm not sure if this is your first time here, your second time here, whatever the case may be. But this is an opportunity for us to come face to face with Jesus. This is an opportunity for us to interact with him, not just in the bubble, but so that we can go and tell the good news. Amen. Because this is what ended up happening with the story with the Samaritan. In verse 39, we're going to pick up, still in chapter 4 of John. It says, many of the Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. 
He told me everything that I did. So when the Samaritans came to him, to Jesus, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. Catch this, verse 41. And because of his words, many more became believers. They said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man is really the Savior of the world. Did you catch that? Because of the, this woman's interaction with Jesus, they end up becoming believers. Because of the conversation that she had with the Savior of the world, she was able to convince many in her town that Jesus is the Savior. But it didn't stop right there. They didn't just take her word. What did they end up doing? They're like, here, let's, let's see who this guy is that you're talking about. Because you told me, woman, that you only had three husbands. You actually had five, right? So I want to go and see who this guy truly is. So now they're talking, they're interacting, and they're convicted. So you think about, okay, what now? What, how, how does this apply to me? I got two simple points for us. I got two simple point, points this afternoon so we can go and enjoy some fellowship afterwards. Amen? Are you ready? My first point is this. Tell your story. Tell your story. You know, I got a, uh, a clip. No, not a clip, but I got a picture here from the movie Remember the Titans. Have you guys seen that movie? Great movie. Uh, set, what was it, back in the 70s. Uh, back in the 70s when schools were being integrated there uh, in the South. I uh, think, believe, uh, Virginia. And we got Coach Boone here, Denzel Washington, talking to his assistant coach. And later on in this scene, his starting quarterback had ended up breaking his wrist. And he had a backup quarterback from California, of all places, that was about to get into the game. Sunshine, you remember. Had the long hair, and they're like, hey, one rule we have, you got to have short hair. So they cut his hair on him. But Sunshine, he was very nervous about going into the game. He hadn't played a lick up until that point. So what did Denzel or Coach Boone end up doing? He ended up telling him a story. He was like, come here, boy. You know what? I had 12 brothers and sisters. My mom and my dad died, and I was the youngest out of all of them. But they all were looking up to me. Because when the tough got going, I got in there and I exerted myself. So you go in there and you run the play and you win the game for us. And then the, uh, another assistant coach, he's like, man, I didn't know you had 12 brothers and sisters. He's like, I only had eight, but it sounded better that way. <laughs> <laughs> but he knew that Sunshine, the backup quarterback, he needed some, some strength. He needed some courage. And what better courage can be infused in us is when you can see courage in someone else. When someone else been through the fire, when someone else had hardships right against them, when someone else got hit in the mouth and got right back up, that helps us so much. And this quote here that I love, it says, your story 
is the key that can lock or unlock someone else's prison. The stories that we have can be the key to unlock someone else's prison. And how important it is, you know, not to be shameful of our past, not to be shameful of some of the things that we did, because some of the different things that we've done and that God has cleansed us from, the next man, the next woman are going through that same thing. And they are looking for that, that Coach Boone talk, that Remember the Titans talk, to help them to move forward. You think about how many people in our life that you're like, man, if they could just grasp this. If they could just grasp how good God is. If they could just grasp the wisdom that's written in this word. If they could just grasp what it is to truly surrender to Jesus, that their life would change. Peter wrote in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, I'll read it to you guys. But it says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. What we just did a few moments ago with the fellowship break, that was helping us solidify. That was telling other people, this is why I have faith in Jesus. This is why I have hope that can never fail or be robbed or taken away by circumstances. Because Jesus is the one, Jesus is the one that can and will heal. He's the one that could unlock us from our prisons. But what our family, what our friends need to hear, they need to see what that looks like in real life, right? They need to see it. And I got a question, another story. What effect has Jesus in the, in the gospel had on you? As you look back at your life, as you look back at some of the near-death experiences, what has the gospel had effect on you? I got a picture here of my son, Nick the Quick. Uh, Nicholas, uh, he's five years old, peace to the world, or can I get $2, one of the two? <laughs> but we were in Denver. We were at uh, Red Rock Canyon. Uh, in Denver, or just right outside of Denver here. But I want to share with you guys the effects that the gospel has had on me lately. Because the, the gospel don't just affect us during conversion, right? It continues to have effect on us. And if it only has an effect during your conversion, then we're missing something, right? But here, we, we just started taking, my wife and me, we just started taking the Growing Kids God's Way curriculum. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. We, our small group is doing it. We're having an awesome time going through learning how to really parent our kids like God parents us. But for me, I was like, you know, it's 15 weeks long. And it's not too many things I do in life for 15 weeks straight, right? It's, it's not much. Yeah, I know. She, she's like, I'm right there with you, brother. But we're going to overcome, amen? We're still going to overcome. We still show up. But this is the thing I want to share. Because after, I think we've had five sessions now, and looking at what I've learned, what me and my wife learned and what we're implementing, and then thinking the five weeks before, luckily with a five-year-old son, you can do things, you can be harsh 
you can do a lot to a five-year-old that they're going to end up forgiving you, right? Just because that's just the nature. God knew what he was doing when he was creating kids, right? He knew that they needed to forgive easy. Then, because we sin so much against them. And one thing that I saw is that I was too, or I, I was overbearing. I don't know if you mean too overbearing, right? I was overbearing to my son. Instead of going after, encouraging him, lifting him up, saying, you know, nice things, and then of course still, of course still correct him and lead him, I would just lead or lean too much on the correction side. I don't know how many, how many of you guys can relate to that with your children. Well, we want to correct because we, we want the best for our children, right? We want them to succeed. We want them to grow. We want them to mature. But God showed me through growing kids God's way and doing it God's way. Is that he, he was like, Clint, if you stay on that trajectory 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you're not going to have the relationship that you desire with your son. He's not going to want to confide in you. He's not going to come to you and say, hey, I need advice on this, Dad, if I stayed on that trajectory that I was on. And through Jesus, through the gospel, through the De La Pinas who's leading that class, I'm proud to say that that's not going to be the man that I'm going to be for my son, amen? amen? Because of Jesus, because of the gospel, because of his word, I don't have to stay in that place. That's not just my lot in life, though, I guess I'm just a harsh dad. No, because of Jesus, we can be set free. Because of Jesus, not only can we be set free, but we have the key that we can share with our friends and our family. But what do we have to do? We got to tell our story. Let people know that this is how God transformed my marriage. This is how God took a student that was a D-plus student at best, and now he's a B-plus or an A student. This is how he took a broken dad who was more concerned about correcting and change him and changing him into one that encourages more. Because one thing I do not want to be is a minister that has a crummy relationship with his son. I do not want that. And I know my wife don't want that for me. And judging by y'all, amen, y'all don't want that for me either. Amen? <laughs> Telling our story. What story do you have to tell? And my last point is after we tell people our story, or even within telling people our story, we take people to Jesus. We must take people to Jesus. Going back to John chapter 4, verse 28 through 30, it reads here, after the woman had the conversation with Jesus, and verse 28 says, says, then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come, see, a man told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? And they came out of the town and made their way towards him. She left her water jar there. And how, how often do we need to leave our water jar? Leave that thing that we're still holding on to. 
so that we can't see Jesus or we can't go and talk with somebody else. Sometimes it's our cell phone, right? I'm so much into my cell phone, I can't share with this person because I'm, I'm, I'm too much into what's happening on the NCAA tournament, which my bracket is busted, right? But what are the, what's the water jar for you? That you need to set down so that you can go about the mission of telling how Jesus has worked in your life. Second point, take people to Jesus. You know, we're, we're going through a, a series right now about just deepening our conviction about sharing Jesus with others. And I love how Derek, uh, Derek Vett, you know, he leads our, our region, our, um, this side of town. And he said a couple weeks ago, is the goal is not for us to invite people. Our goal is to persuade people to walk with Jesus. That's our goal, is to help people to walk with Jesus. Think about the Jesus effect. You know, instead of living a life where we just want that happiness based on temporary circumstances, because of Jesus, we can experience eternal joy through the grace of eternity of, of God. Amen. Because of Jesus, instead of living a life that is guilt-stricken, in bondage because of our past and the different things that we, we deserve to have punishment for, because of Jesus, we are set free through faith in him. Amen? Instead of have a settling for the status quo in our marriage, which what status quo? Over 50% divorce rate. What's status quo for parenting? Status quo is, as soon as I go to college, I'm not, I'm not looking back. Instead of the status quo of being a neighbor that I'm just, I'm just focused on my business. I don't care about what's happening in my community. Instead of having that status quo, we want to go for extraordinary, amen? We want extraordinary parenting. We want extraordinary marriages. We want extraordinary fill in the blank. That's what we want in our life, amen? We don't want to just settle for what everybody else is doing because Jesus has something so much more powerful than that. As I mentioned, we got two simple lessons we could take from the Good Samaritan woman. Two simple things is that, number one, she told her story. She went back to the town and she let them know that Jesus, he's reachable. And that's still the case, amen? Sometimes we think we need 10 Hail Marys or we need to come to church and fellowship for, for 12 months straight and then we're good. Jesus is reachable. We can help people understand that by telling our story. And of course, as we tell our story, that we must take people to Jesus. We're not just tooting our own horn about how we change this and we change We can't change anything for any long length of period without Jesus. That's what we want to take people to. It's back to that. And I pray that as we as we listen to 
the scriptures, as we listen to what God wants to do through us, because what was his plan? When Jesus left, he said, I'm going to use normal people to get my word out. I'm going to use people just like how we have here to get my word out. And I don't know where you stand today. I don't know where you stand as far as your relationship with Jesus, with your relationship with the body, your relationship with family, friends, etc. I don't know where you even stand with your testimony. Maybe some of us are proud of our testimony. Well, we can't wait to tell some, somebody about how great Jesus is because we knew where we were and we know where we are and we know that we couldn't do it without the cross and what Jesus did, amen? Maybe we're there. Maybe we've gotten out of the practice of sharing our testimony and we stopped recounting the blessings, recounting how Jesus has acted in our lives so that we at this point right now that we can hear the good news and respond to it. Or maybe we're trying and we're trying to shut the door on the impact that Jesus can make in our life. Or we're like, I don't want, I don't want you, God, to be working in my life. I don't want you to work in my relationship with my brother and my sister, my spouse, my, pa- my parents. But guess what? Even if we don't want God to act, we still get his benefits, right? Because even if we fall in that category, you're still here today. You're still here, and you have an opportunity to let even the heart that you may have right now be transformed into one where you can unlock a prison for somebody else. Amen? Amen. I got a picture here of a man at a crossroad. What's next for us? What's next for you? Are you going to go get into God's word and get your own testimony? Where you're going to figure out how God has been with me every step of the way that I could be so much further worse off. But because of God, I'm here where I am. I mean, the Samaritans, they asked Jesus to stay in their town for, and Jesus ended up staying with them two days. What are you going to do? Are you going to get into God's word? Are you going to get with people that you respect, that you know have a reverence for God's word and sit with them so that you can understand how can my testimony be something that unlocks the prison of someone else's life? The Samaritans, they said, Jesus, stay with us. We have that same opportunity through the word of God. We have that same opportunity through the Holy Spirit. And as we prepare for com- communion, you know, here in a second, I'm going to pray. and We're going to have opportunity to take the bread. We're going to take the juice. And this is a time that's even more special today because it's so many that this is out of the norm for them to come focus on Jesus. But Jesus, he wants to use that. He wants to use that just like uh, this statue in Rio de Janeiro in Brazil. You can't see it, but it's hundreds of people there at the foot of Jesus there. 
hundreds. They're just going to see this statue because it's huge, right? Maybe some of them going because of their religious background. But why do you come to see Jesus? What are you expecting from him? And as we take the bread, as we take the juice right now, let's pray for the impact that Jesus can make in our lives so that not only can we tell our story, but we can tell our story and take people to Jesus at the same time. Amen? Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you, I just thank you for giving us a great reminder, a weekly reminder for most of us. Through the bread, through the fruit of the vine, of the sacrifice that you made for us. The sacrifice that signifies a man that walked this earth, that was the king, that took off his crown, put on sandals and a cloak, so that he can walk among his creation. And then to allow that creation to crucify him, to beat him, to spit on his face, even though that he was king, he allowed all that to happen. He died. His heart stopped. He no longer took a breath. And he was placed in a tomb. But because of your mighty power, God, he rose from the dead. And not only did he rise from the dead, you have wrote a play for us to be a part of where we could also rise from our deceit, our lust, our anger, our pride, our selfishness. We don't have to be stuck in that bondage anymore because of what happened some 2,000 years ago. I pray as we take the bread and we take the juice that like the Samaritans, that we want to see more of your son, Jesus. That we want to open up our word and we want to experience you. And that we don't stop at just the experience. That we allow your plan and your mission to come to fruition by letting others know how you are impacting our lives. We love you. And all this we pray in your son Jesus' name. Amen.